Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Timothy Chalamet and Joel Edgerton team up for the king. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Yes, two returning champions on the podcast today. Very excited to say that I caught up with uh, our good old buddy, Timothy Chalamet. I know a lot of you are big fans of his. Who's not a fan of Timmy Chalamet nowadays? Um, always killing it, and it's been so exciting to see his career just explode in the last couple of years since I first met and fell in love with Timmy. Uh, and uh, same could be said for Joel Edgerton. We go back a little bit further, but um, always love catching up with Joel, who's a, a fine director and writer as well as an actor. And he certainly dons a couple of those hats in this new film, this new collaboration with Timothy Chalamet called The King. The King is co-written by Joel Edgerton with his frequent collaborator, David Michaud, who you may know as a great director in his own right, directed The Rover and Animal Kingdom. Um, and this one is kind of a bit of a retelling, in some ways, of Henry V, the classic Shakespeare play, but no Shakespearean dialogue in this. Um, it's kind of a muscular uh, um, adaptation. Um, there's a, some significant action in it. Um, a great ensemble. Timothy is the lead, of course, as King Henry V, but you also have Joel uh, playing Falstaff. You have Robert Pattinson in a scene-stealing role as the Dauphin. Ben Mendelsohn, who we love around here, is amazing. Lily Rose Depp is great. Uh, a real uh, great ensemble. The film is currently in uh, select theaters. It's going to be streaming on Netflix on November 1st. So if it's not playing around you, patience. It's going to be available very soon in your own home. That being said, it looks great on the big screen, and uh, I would recommend it. Uh, this was a super fun chat with uh, these two guys. Um, you know, uh, you never know what, what the combination is going to be like, but they clearly got along like gangbusters on this one. And um, yeah, I think I think the, the first thing you'll probably hear is a little bit of me chatting with Joel, who I'm, I'm not sure what we include from the actual conversation, but Joel came in uh, while Timmy was in, in the bathroom. Uh, I caught up with them at a hotel and, um, and, and Joel took a, uh, took the opportunity to um, do a lot of uh, fart noises because uh, he's got the same kind of evolved sense of humor as I do. Then Timmy joins in, and uh, we try to class it up a bit, but not really. And yes, of course, I had to ask Timmy about um, Dune. You know, we always have to ask about Dune. Um, oh, and yeah, you're going to hear also Timothy, um, I think I can say this, uh, showed me some stuff that obviously you won't be able to see in, on the podcast, some kind of stuff that, that's pretty top secret. And yes, uh, it may or may not be related to Dune. And I am as excited, maybe more excited than I was before. There, th there's a little tease for you. So that's the main event today, this conversation with Timmy Chalamet and Joel Edgerton. Other things to mention, there's a lot going on in, in the movie world, in the Josh Horowitz world. Um, let's see, what, what's, what's happening? Oh yeah, so this weekend, a couple big movies opening. Um, we've got The Lighthouse opening, I believe, in select theaters. Love that movie with Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. Jojo Rabbit, excellent movie from Taika Waititi. Um, Zombieland Double Tap. So Zombieland Double Tap, I'm allowed to say by now, I've alluded to this in the past, I shot a very brief 
cameo of sorts in Zombieland Double Tap. Um, I can't really say much more now. I, in a future podcast, I will give you all the details of how it went down. Um, but I will say it was an amazing experience. And the, 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 the part I'm in is very brief, but stay to the end. Keep your eyes peeled, and you will see uh, Josh Horowitz in a uh, in a pretty special moment, I think, with a, a a very notable co-star. So I'm very excited about that one, and I've seen the film, and it's honestly great. <laughs> that that makes it all the better. Um, the film is is excellent. If you love the first Zombieland, this is more of the same in a good way. It's great to see the 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 four key players come back together again. It's legitimately super funny, and Zoe Deutsch, who we love around here, we always talk about, is in this one, and she scenes steals left. Uh, she steals scenes left and right. She's amazing in it. Um, so yeah, Zombieland Double Tap coming out this Friday. Uh, what else to mention? New episode of On Location, my series for Paramount Network, is out on all of Paramount Network's digital platforms. Go to Paramount Network's YouTube page and Facebook page. This new episode is with the one and only Kevin Smith. I went back to the original Quick Stop in New Jersey with Kevin to reminisce and talk about how he made Quirks. It's a, it's a really fun episode. That Quick Stop uh, convenience store has virtually not changed in 25 years. Literally the same people are still working in there. His bosses, when he was a convenience store clerk, are still working at the store. So it was an amazing experience to hang out in Jersey for a day with Kevin Smith. And I'm really proud of the episode and proud of the series as a whole. So I hope you check it out. The series, once again, is called On Location. Go to Paramount Network's YouTube and Facebook channels to check it out. Uh, it's a good episode and there's a lot more really cool episodes to come. So, uh, so yeah, what else? Just spoke to Paul Rudd today for his new show, Living With Yourself. We're going to uh, unfurl that episode. It's not a podcast. It's an MTV on-camera interview. Um, that was fun. His new series for Netflix is really good. He plays himself and his own clone. Very quirky, Charlie Kaufman-esque, highly recommended. Um, yeah, I'm drowning in content. I'm drowning in good films and good TV. Parasite's out now in select theaters. Everybody's talking about Parasite, and, and the hype is real. It's amazing. One of the best, if not the best movie of the year. Whew, a lot going on. Anyway, uh, let's go to the main event. This one's, it's not a super long conversation. I had to go to them, all the sort of, you know, bells and whistles, all these kind of things I had to compromise on a little bit, but I knew you guys would want to hear from Timothy Chalamet and Joel Edgerton about this new film, The King. Uh, they're two of my favorites, so uh, really happy we got a chance to catch up, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy this, this chat. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to Happy, Sad, Confused, spread the good word, and enjoy Mr. Chalamet and Mr. Edgerton. You too. You've missed about 10 minutes of uh, fart talk. Okay, okay good. <laughs> Farting as it relates to what? Okay, so 30 minutes, so I'll just pop in and give you Amazing, thank you. How you doing, Chase? Doing well? Yeah? How you doing? Good. good. Oh, is this the reunion? You guys haven't seen each other yet? Uh, I mean, since Venice? No, but... Uh, uh, no, New York last time. Uh, no, that was before Venice. Yeah. That was before, yeah, so I haven't seen her in a while. Yeah. You were supposed to be here. Yeah. Um, I just got back from Dublin. Oh yeah, because you did a reshoot there, right? Yeah. Is this already recording? I can stop it. All good. Or, um, or cut it out. Um, whatever, whatever you want. You want me to stop?
You got something to show me. I'll show you at the end. Okay, show me at the end. Okay. Right. Ooh, you guys won't know it, but he showed me something cool later. <laughs> uh, Joel, Timmy, it's good to see you guys. You both have done the podcast separately, but this is this is a smorgasbord of good fun. This is the first of 700 duo appearances on this podcast together. Um, it's good to see you both, man. Congratulations on the film. I really enjoyed this one. Thank you. Great Thank piece you. of work. Uh, first of all, let's talk movies for a second, because I ran into this guy at Toronto. Mm. You were seeing some movies for fun. Yes. Are well, we... I was there from. I was there. For, I, I, I had a reason to be there, too. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but you saw some good stuff there, yes. I assume. What have we seen? What are we excited for? This is his the season. This is the good stuff, man. Uh, Uncut Gems. Awesome. It's amazing. Oh, have right? you seen it? Yes. That's what. That's. I mean, I had a meeting in Toronto, but I was really there to go see Uncut Gems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But also because, you know, it was in Toronto and. Uh, Man, it was just such a good time to be there. I really want to see that too. Yeah. I really want to see the Irishman. Oh. I really want to see the Joker. Have you seen that? Yet? No, I haven't. I haven't. There's a bunch of cool stuff out there that I want to see. But yeah, Uncut Gems, I reckon, is going to be. From the moment I heard about that film, I was like, oh, that's going to be amazing. Yeah. The energy on the screen that they. I just <laughs> saw it for the second time last night, actually. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, did they do another press screening? They did a press screening, okay. and they're screening it at New York Film Festival this week. Um, the I'm third. And I'm talking to the Safties and Sandler this week. It's just. Great. What they bring to the screen is amazing. The energy, right? I did a like a, a uh, you know like a write up on Variety or something, <laughs> but I haven't heard from them, so I hope I didn't offend them or anything. <laughs> to be I, fair, I think it just broke like an hour ago. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, so. okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> just like took my phone off airplane mode and didn't get a ding, and I was like, uh oh. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. How, well, what you said, nice things about. No, that. I did, but I guess I made a joke at the beginning about, uh, you know. It's all, it's all good. It's all good. It's, yeah. You were you were gonna be fine. I yeah. think they're gonna. Yeah, it's all gonna be good. Um, Oop! I just got a hate audio message from John. No, yeah. <laughs> 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 Fuck you, no. <laughs> Um Let's talk, talk a little bit about the king. This this film is you know we've seen a lot of different interpretations of Shakespearean texts over the years. This comes from Michaud and you, mm. uh, freaking collaborators. A uh, bit of an Animal Kingdom reunion on this one. I'd like to see a, a lot bit, of some yeah. familiar faces. Um, what was the? It'd be funny if you got married at the end to Jackie Weaver. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> wait for the credits. Yeah, <laughs> it's such a twist. <laughs> she was busy. Um, <laughs> what's the germ of the idea? What makes this worth doing for you, Joel, to invest all this time and energy? Oh, look, a number of things. I think you know, really, it's about twenty years ago because I played Hal on stage, and then the year after, sort of backed it up by doing Henry V. And I've just had those players and that character in my head for so long. And when it came around to kind of 2012 or 13, I'd been asked to do a sword and horse movie that I didn't really love. But so much of the sort of speaking and speeches within it were reminiscent to me of various Shakespeare monologues. And I was like, oh, what if we... Would, would it be possible for us to make a version of, of Henry V? And, and I actually thought at the time I'd just get laughed out of the room, but the people that I pitched that idea to were like, yeah, go away and write it and we'll pay you. And I was like, right. So then I, that's, that, that's <laughs> when I started... Over on them again. Yeah, and that's when I started hiding behind David Misha. <laughs> <laughs> it was his idea the whole time. Like, no, no, you do it. Then yeah, it's your David, idea. you do this. <laughs> what do you see... Okay, let's pretend Timmy's not here. When you mm. see someone uh, like Timothy on the screen, I mean, he obviously jumps off the screen for, for an, from an actor's perspective. Mm. What do you see in his performances early on that's making you say, this guy has to play 
Hal has to play Henry. Well, what's really interesting is when David, you know, David, I think, is has an incredible casting brain, clearly because he cast me in the film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, the, this this idea of... of you know, it, you know, like you say, a lot of people have, have sort of trod on this territory before, and quite often you see the king played by somebody that is older, yeah. essentially. Um, and you know, he Henry was twenty six when he became the king, and there's this one single painting of him in profile, and he he doesn't look like he's some UFC medieval UFC fighter of the age of thirty or so. He looks like a young person. Um, and and so the physical type and the age was there and it just happened that the beauty of the fact that we didn't get to make the movie when we first wrote it because Timmy would we'd have had to drag him out of like eighth grade, <laughs> <Voice cracking. laughs> you know, or in reality find someone else, you know, find <laughs> someone else. Um, that that those two roads, uh, the juncture yeah. where it arrived was was the arrival of Timmy. And, and after a number of incredible performances, to then be able to put him in the throne at the very time that he's sort of sitting in a different kind of throne as an actor. Um, and it just seemed like the perfect marriage of elements, you know? And it's just so thrilling also to see a young actor to start to explore new territory. We've never seen you in this context before, mm -hmm. clearly. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we've talked before about like, challenges mm -hmm. that's that, that seems to be like the name of the game for you at least at this stage of your yes. career perhaps always yes. hopefully of chasing the stuff that's uh, elusive and challenging um there are a number of challenges mm -hmm. to this one what's 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 the the one that jumped out that scared you the most and excited you the most uh perhaps the the whole of it you know and just how uh you know sometimes uh i can read something and and think, oh, okay, this is this makes sense to me why I was kept in mind for this, or maybe they're going off this movie I did or something. And this was one where I thought, whoa, well, you know, I read it, I read it uh, twice before I before I met with David, and the first time I thought, well, this is an excellent script, you know, for whoever does it, and uh, this is cool. And the second time, I really try to, you know, put myself in those shoes as a reader, as a performer, but then also almost like as a total impartial audience member. Yeah. And uh, and I thought, whoa, like this. Once David made it clear to me to get it out of my head that we were going to try and top Sir Lawrence Olivier or Kenneth Branagh, but rather go for a, uh, uh, not contemporary, but contemporary by way of its uh, urgent feeling uh, portrait of a guy who's uh, way beyond his circumstance and uh, who has good intent, but is basically hopeless the whole time. Yeah. And uh, it's this thing I said in the Q&A that David uh, maybe made fun of me for a little bit, but I, but I mean it. It's like uh, what I love about David's movies so much is... Uh, they're about what they're about, and um, and I and I think it's it's almost admirable in this day and age where, you know, songs on albums are a minute fifty, so they don't drag on too long, and then movies or TV shows will try to work in every theme and element in the world to 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 check every box, and uh, and this that's not what this is. This is just a this is just a brutalist uh, yeah. portrait of somebody going through a very tough thing. The funny thing also that occurs to me is like you know a lot of actors your age um, end up doing a lot of coming of age stories mm -hmm. and you are but they're in different contexts yeah well, <laughs> you know, I appreciate you've, you saying you've, that you've, tra you've traded mm -hmm. for, you know like an Italian villa yeah. for a really dirty battlefield yeah. and I have a feeling even the next one we'll talk about Dune is a, a bit of a coming of age in a way too these yeah, are transitions absolutely. from boys to men right um, and this one's even marked by like 
you know, you have your like pretty woman makeover, you, have, you cut your hair and then like, yeah. you're the king. <laughs> right, right. Um, I mean, do you first have to kind of like buy yourself in that context? I mean, so be like a leader of men to like no. wear the chain mail and to like, and to like deliver that kind of speech. No. And I think that's a testament to getting to work with Joel Edgerton and, and that's uh, weird. You're sitting right here. I could have just said Joel. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and again, but also uh, Joel demands. Uh, 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 yes, <laughs> he'll hit me if I don't do that. You'll leave the room and he'll hit me. It's not one of those names that you leave the little pause cell to name drop, is it? Joel Edgerton. <laughs> yes, yes, Tom, Tom Cruise. Uh, no, but uh, I. Um, this movie is best suited to that question almost because this is the one that. Uh, uh, would have required the biggest leap if I wanted to buy myself in advance, but actually required none because I could just go yeah. off David and trust in him. And uh, as it relates to your you know, first point, I feel like this is like a political coming of age and not in the realm of government or politics, but in the realm of you know, the cynical reality that is life for some people that you know, life itself and s social dynamics becomes politic in some way. Yeah. And, uh, well, it, and, it and it is sort of about also the the intractable nature of, um, of society and politics of like, even with the best in good intentions, we're a cyclical race. We repeat the mistakes of our fathers and, and mothers. Um, and that's, and that's sort of the, the lesson if there is one maybe yeah. of this, I don't know how we break that, right. especially in 2019 where it feels like we're not to, not to make it too real folks, but we're, we're living that. Yeah. And it seems to me like, you know, what's interesting is that, you know, the template of, of somebody entering uh, a high stakes position with the ideology that they can be the one person that can change a system or, or to presume to do things differently. Yeah, this time it will be the change yeah. of systems happens sadly very slowly, but change within an individual can happen subtly under the surface very quickly. Yeah. You know. Can, can we talk a little bit about just the fight stuff? Because like you yeah. guys, I mean, really capture the stuff in a very visceral, powerful way. Um, there's some continuous shots that I found really striking. And again, new territory for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Did you take to it? Did you feel like... I did because Joel was still cutting Boy Race, so he had to get back to the States to edit it, so they shot his stuff out first. So I went to set to watch Joel going to work, and he was relishing it. He was viscerally enjoying every <laughs> second. He had a little straw in the mud, and he was drinking the mud up, and he was loving it. And, uh, and I knew when it came time for me to get going that... that uh, the best way to do it would be to lean into it and yeah. not in some pretentious way either, but truly like it's less about the choreography of those scenes and maybe this makes it a little more dangerous, but it's more about what a clusterfuck it is. Yeah, yeah. the messiness is what mm -hmm. makes it kind of visceral. And you know, I remember those early conversations David and I had about when we were writing it, and this is also comes from working with my brother a lot, Nash, you, you know, his theory and there was always this theory that even, you know, a car chase or a foot chase or, or a fight scene should all have a story of its own yeah. and really should be rooted in a point of view that I think the problem with a lot of big uh, battles and you can understand why and, and with all respect to anybody who's ever tried them, it's just hard to do, but there's a lot of jumping around and David had this really firm sense that we needed each scene that had any kind of violence in it to have its own point of view that once you're with how you just with how yeah. you know and you and and it allows you to feel the claustrophobia the danger the imminent danger of not being able to look around and see what's coming next it's the way that i felt when i watched um straight time with dustin hoffman is that that the choice to just stay in the bank while those guys were robbing yeah. if you cut to a quiet street outside you go tension's gone because i know that the police aren't there yeah 
you just stay with the person you you with. That's why the Safdie brothers are so great too. Yeah. And they just stick in, in Rob's character in that film. Is like stuck there. Yeah, yeah. Let's. Uh, you mentioned Rob. I have to mention Rob because Rob is amazing. In <laughs> See, this. I gave you that segue there. No, I was going to pick it up. Anyway, but you're good. You're good. Pattinson kills it. I yeah. mean, he comes in like an hour in, yeah. and it just breaks the tension in a fa- fascinating yes. way. Yes. Um, it's like a Nick Cage performance to me. It's like a guy that's just like going for it and it's like, this is either going to work or it's not going to work. <laughs> right. And it, thankfully it works. Uh-huh. Yeah. What was it like to see like what Rob was doing when he came to set? I don't know about you, but I remember that first day because when he, you know, he's sitting in the throne in the tent, you know, it was like watching a theatre performance for the first time because when we just started shooting and I think it was, well, it would have been the first rehearsal of just watching Rob do that and, you know, part his hair with his pinky and do all this stuff. And I was like, it was so, and I was like, wow. It was like, yeah, go big or go home, you know, but coming from an honest place, that's why I love big performances, you know, and there's subtlety to it as well, but yeah. you know, there's, there's a certain largesse in the character that he's playing. And I believe that those performances are great when people like walk out on a thin limb and it, if it comes from an honest place, it, it lives and deserves to be in the film. And that's what's so kind of risky and great about it. You've worked with an, another one of those, like a Mr. I think of Tom Hardy, you mm. know, folks like that. Again, that that there's something um, indescribable about what they bring. It's, it's wholly unique. Mm. Um, are there actors like that you would like to shadow on a set, just sort of see how they do what they do, mm. just out of curiosity? Ooh, yeah. I mean, look, you know, I've worked with Christian, but I didn't get to like shadow him as in like go and sneak into his trailer and <laughs> watch him have a talk to himself or anything like that. Um, oh, look, there's so many of them. I, I, would, I would love to get a time machine and go back and basically hang out with Gary Oldman during the early years of those sort of wild performances from film to film, just jumping all over the map. Yeah. Um, and, and really kind of bringing electricity and danger to, to the screen. I'd, uh, but it's... It's impossible to really get inside another actor's head. All yeah. you can do is sit back and marvel. Sometimes I remember um, I work, I had the luxury of working with Dennis Hopper when I was like 23, when I was like your age, and he was talking about working with um, James Dean. And he said at one point they were sitting in a car together because they worked on Rebel Without a Cause. And he said I just looked across it at, at uh, in between takes to James Jimmy, and he and he said Dennis said to him, "What are you doing?" Like, what is it that you're doing? Because he just couldn't quite work out why this kid was so interesting. Yeah. And I don't know if he even explained it to him, but it was like Dennis was like envious and angry and like <laughs> curious all at the same time because yeah. there was some, some frequency coming off him what about that he couldn't describe. For you, Timmy, are there performances that you keep coming back to? I mean, I know we've talked about how Dark Knight was important to you and mm. Ledger's performance. Mm. Are the performances like that or even the last in more recent years that you keep coming back to that stick in your mind that are hard to shake and, and you kind of want to decipher. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, I think of Uncut Gems again, I mean, there was a Sandler performance in that. And, uh, I think maybe just of the time or, you know, maybe of just of this month or something or this week, I'm more and more fascinated by like the, you know, kind of like Rob and the King and, these uh, roles or these appearances that are sharp and biting and uh, yeah. strike a match within, within a movie and as opposed to like setting the tone of it in some way. Sure. Um, Falstaff kind of functions as kind of like the, the one true voice in, in, uh, in Timmy's character's life, right? Like, do you feel like you guys 
have that in your own lives where you have like friends that you can lean on where maybe if you're getting caught up in the business quote unquote too much that will call you out on your shit is yeah. that important to have I got my brother he, he's sort of like my litmus test with most things choices about work just gen- general good outside opinion yeah. it's sort of like the other voice that echoes in my head and you know on a creative level David is, is one of the people I always go to. I'm like, written something, can you tell me I'm an idiot or not? You know? yeah. <laughs> who, do you, who do you turn to if you have questions about whether it's a performance, a choice, a, a business choice, etc.? Like the closest tarot reader, like tarot card reader. Yeah. Oh, that's literally. <laughs> 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 Jesus, I'm like, I thought he was being metaphorical. He's like, nope, I go to a gypsy on the corner. <laughs> yeah, the marvelous <laughs> Greta. <laughs> Sit down to me. <laughs> but is right now is it is it instinctual? Because like you know we've talked you know we've talked in this very unique years mm. for you where you're getting more and more choice. Mm-hmm. Um, is it are you do you find you're following your gut and is that easy to do? Is do you second guess yourself the choices? No, you're well. Mm, no, because the truth is, this felt like a no-brainer, then Little Women felt like a no-brainer, and then a Wes Anderson project felt like a no-brainer, and then Dune felt like a no-brainer, <laughs> and then that's really, I finished a month ago, so that's, since the last time we talked, that's what it's been, so, you know, uh, you know there hasn't been a lot of calculation, and within my own life, I, I feel like I'm lucky I grew up, you know, uh, if not in show business around it, and in New York, and so, um, I feel wise to its traps, I guess, which is what the ignorant man says right before he fucking falls into a hole. And, uh, don't worry. Joel, sadly, you and I are probably old enough to be Timmy's uh, father. Has he educated you about anything of the, the young ways of the world, about the, the Instagrams and the, uh, and the and what the what the kids are listening to No, he's days? the one that's sending me an emojis. Like, yeah, like this is true. Like he the... did just spend 10 minutes showing me how to create a uh, poop emoji. Uh, <laughs> I'm wise to the world of the internet, the world of the the world wide interweb. Um, it's weird, you know, like I, I couldn't send an email until I finished high school, as in not, not that I, I didn't know how, it's just that you couldn't. Um, and I, I worry about what my life would have been like if I had access to a smartphone while I was in high school. Like, I, I think, I don't know how, I don't think I'd be sitting here with you today. I probably would have squandered my life um, on all the wrong things. But yeah, in an internet cafe in Sydney right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's a a wild thing, the power of the internet. And, uh, you know, but no, I learned learned things from everybody, old and young, just by observation and, and time spent. You know, and I think I think there's more to learn from a younger generation than there is necessarily from an older generation. Mm-hmm. We always think that the older people are the wiser ones. I don't think I think the tide's turned. Yeah, educate us, Timmy. Save us from ourselves, <laughs> yeah. please. Soothsay. <laughs> no pressure, but it's all on you. <laughs> yes. The planet is in the balance. <laughs> um. There's no pressure there. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah. <laughs> Tim's looking. You know, like Timmy's looking at your setup here, and he's going, "This is like, what is this? So these relics? These? Why are there wires? Yeah, there are wires everywhere. <laughs> um, give me a little Dune. Tell me a mm-hmm. little bit. Like, what's the most surreal day on set? What's the what's what's a snapshot of what Denis has captured? Um, in doing? I don't know what I'm allowed to say, but um, it was just uh, a totally surreal experience and total dream to work with Denis. And, uh, uh, he sent me a nice message about the trailer of this, actually. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's very excited to see this. And uh, 
Also, the cast oh. he assembled was insane. insane. It was really insane. And, uh, <laughs> no, but what? A, again, I feel like I'm getting this really, you know, incredible opportunity to work with really great actors that are equally not jaded as they are, excited about the work they're still doing. And, uh, yeah. um, you know, it's you know, it's like working with Joel and Sean Harris and Ben Mendelsohn, and on that it was Oscar Isaac and Josh Brolin and Zendaya and just. Uh, Javier, right? Javier Bardem. Oh I mean, yeah, it just uh, and and also it's cool. Um, I don't know. Oscar and I were talking about it on set one day. I love that he said like, uh, uh, you know, Dune's a very grounded story, particularly as it relates to the other stories in that genre. Um, but he was, you know, without divulging all the details of the conversation, he was talking about the sur- surreality of it, the surreal elements of the story. Even though Denis was sticking close to the book and keeping it grounded and. Mm-hmm. I, I loved seeing Oscar and Javier and Brolin and Zendaya and, and Rebecca work within that that surreality yeah. and uh, bring a groundedness to it. It, it, fe- it felt like storytelling, you yeah. know, in its truest form, telling a story. Did, did, were there lessons from this that you brought to that? I mean, there are some super, not even superficial, there are, like, there are some connections, I feel like, yeah, between these characters. Yeah, absolutely. And I think perhaps more subconsciously than anything I could formulate, but... Um, um, I mean, yes and no. It's it, 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 obviously because of the period and one taking place, you know, or both taking place in wildly different time periods right. and maybe different <laughs> universes. Uh, the uh, th- that made it different, obviously. But yeah, there's a there's a parallel in between, you know, young young men thrust into circumstance before they're ready and not yeah. quite knowing what to do with it. Um, have you worked with Barry yet, Barry Jenkins, Mr. Yeah. Edgerton? That's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Underground Railroad. We're having a pretty amazing time. I mean, I, I've been sort of traveling back and forth doing press on this and then going into that world. It's it's quite, I mean, that separation I find quite surreal. Um, doing the kind of red carpet dance and promotional aspects of the film and then going and back and doing the work and, yeah. and, and going back and forth I find quite tricky. But yeah, he's he's an incredible man. I, I just feel very, you know, it's like Timmy was saying, it's like the privilege of being able to work yeah. with really great people, and it, it's it's one of those phone calls that you just go, all right, turn, I'll turn up, whatever you want me to do, because yeah. you know you really hope that you're always in really safe hands, yeah, um, because you know filmmaking is a village, and you hope that the you know the shaman at the head of the village or whoever that is is just someone that actually knows how to run the village yeah. and then you can do your job. Barry's just sort of so in control of what he's doing. For, for many years I feel like we've, we've joked about like, you know, when, when's Owen showing up in a Star Wars project? Mm-hmm. Okay, now, now Joel, my friend, we've got an <laughs> Obi-Wan TV series and if I do the math on the timeline, mm. Owen's around. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so as much as we've joked, I feel like this could actually happen now. Why is Joel melting into a puddle? Yeah. On the <laughs> uh, just looking. No, look, look, there, there is a very is real possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like there's there's a, there's potentially an assassin on a rooftop just outside the window. That if I said the wrong thing, I could just like. Why is there a guy with a Disney logo on that roof? <laughs> Let me put it this way: Did you yeah. ever think this was even a remote possibility? Because now it does actually feel like this could actually. Happen. Well, there's been rumors of it for for years, and no, I never thought that there was. Ever a world where I would sort of go back to that universe because I thought you know back in the day George said that there would only be a certain amount of movies yeah. and that was it but when Disney took it over 
and started kind of really, really getting back to the old juice, you know, the, the kind of aesthetic yeah. of the first three films. You're like, well, oh, there's a possibility. And then, you know, once you started to hear they were doing all these sort of break, breakaway standalone things. So, yeah. Have you talked to Ewan? Uh, Ewan who? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, translate for me. I think this, this is, is me being all coy. Um, I had this friend you who was really, jeans, really annoying. You and McGregor. What <laughs> me and McGregor? <laughs> uh, okay. I'm, no, I'm, I haven't spoken to you for a while. Okay. I saw it last time I saw him was uh, uh, God knows where. He's a beautiful guy though, and I'm really glad that they're doing that. And uh, yeah, I, I'm. I don't know. I just I, I, let's talk about other stuff. I didn't, I didn't even realize. I'd love like, to I, say all sorts of things. I'm just not going. I to. legit think I'm going to see you in it. I'm just excited now. Okay. Charles <laughs> um, peeking. No, no. Oh, we're bouncing around while you're excited. You guys are working on too many exciting things. Uh, Wes yes. Anderson. Yes. Did it live up to that? Uh, yeah, total like um, an absolute trip and an, you know one of those experiences as an actor where I was really just pinching myself the whole time and thinking. How have I, uh, somebody's come into the room now, and, um, no, but that, uh, just pinching myself, um, like, how did I find myself in this world, and that's not a metaphor, it's really just like a world in and of its own, and, and, you know, the, yeah, at night there's cast dinners, and, uh, and he's, um, that word's thrown around a lot, but he's really just, he's a genius, and it's, uh, it's humbling to be a cog in the machine of his, um, his storytelling, and, uh, and equally, equally a pinch me moment to be with those folks that have been in a lot of his movies, like right. Bill Murray and you know Tilda Swinton, Francis McDormand, Search is in it as well, yeah. and uh, and um, yeah, like the last night. I, this is not my place anyway, so I don't know why I was doing this, but um, it was like my last night. And the other young folks in the movies there last night too, so uh, they they kind of put me up to it to give a little speech, and the best speeches are short and sweet. But I got a little carried away, and then as I sat down, Bill Murray clinked his glass and I thought oh fuck he's about to he's gonna and sure enough he stood up and he said edit and that was it like he, you know like, <laughs> that's the only thing he said that you, got, you got Bill Murray yeah. <laughs> classic Murray um, what's, what's gonna be the abiding memory of this production this is this couldn't have been an easy shoot just by the nature of it oh. what's the what's the I think it made me realize the power of, uh, power of the pen, or well, in that case, the computer, <laughs> and 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 the disconnect that begins with writing something on a page and hoping with all intention that that it will come to life, but having the doubt that it will ever come to be, and particularly of something of this epic nature. I, I remember the bookend of having that feeling writing the screenplay with David, yeah. of us sitting in the sand in Lombok first mapping out the Battle of Agincourt, you know. Um, was standing in the field in Budapest with hundreds of people in armour and horses everywhere and mud and just going, wow, we made this happen. And someone let us build this, build this, <laughs> put this together and just how privileged it is. And just going, how did this even happen? Obviously, like I said before, I hid behind David. Like, I just go, I'm glad I'm not directing this thing, but wow, we're lucky enough. Yeah. to have the privilege of doing this then why be cynical because it's very easy for cynicism to drop into your brain the older you get or, or when the hard when you're faced with hard work yeah but to be reminded of like the 10 year old version of you that would just like 
marvel at the surroundings that you get to grow up into. Well, and yeah, this is a movie with a capital M. I mean, I'm yes. on a movie set. Like, that's like a special thing for those of all three of us grew up obsessed with this medium. Yeah. yeah. And so. I, like you, I like that you say it like that too. And I think Joel can maybe speak to this better than I could. But for me, it, it all spoke to the Netflix of it all too. And all I mean by that is every set I had been on, whether it was like a TV show or uh, having a small part in Interstellar, I, I could kind of, even though I wasn't really in the industry, I could kind of gauge what, uh, not that anything ever felt commercial or made for commercial reasons, but you kind of gauge what the vibe was. And here, beautifully, I really felt like we were just making it for what it was. Like that day we had the trebuchets yeah. on set, and they're, oh, they're yeah. shooting flames into the hills. and and. Real ones too, yeah. not that that's yeah. all real. That's I, all, yeah, they built the trebuchets. That was a real yeah. pinch me moment too. Yeah. Just go, oh, we've got real trebuchets. And you kept them and they're in your garage now. I have one in my backyard, <laughs> yeah. My neighbors are very scared. Your neighbors are terrified. <laughs> Never visit Joel's garage. Yeah. Don't go near him. He's, he's a scary dude. Uh, yeah. You don't like me out with the music up loud? All right. <laughs> Get the trebuchet. I thought I knew you before today, but between the poop emoji stuff and this. And owning a trebuchet? Yeah, this is. Mm -hmm. My property line starts there. <laughs> Timmy's an open book compared to you, man. <laughs> um, it's always good to catch up with you both, as evidenced by all the other projects we also mentioned. I'm going to talk to you guys a lot in the next year. Uh, yeah. I hope, hope you're directing again soon, too. Oh, uh, yeah, plans? I will be. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> no, look, act, directing is the greatest job in the world. Yeah. It really is, but you really have to be match fit for it as well because it's, a, it's, a, it's an untaking. It's like, you know, it's like tapping the glass at a, in a big function hall and, and you're about to tell, tell, make a speech or tell a story. Yeah. You have to feel the confidence going in and coming out of it and, it, and fortify your ego for every step of the process. You know, acting is like, I always say, I'm sure I've said this to you before, is, is acting is like, is the privilege of being able to be a child and directing is running the household. Yeah, that's an adult job, <laughs> to yeah. say the least. Yeah. Uh, it's good to mention you both. Great, thank, thank you, man. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>